In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. This is In the Lab, like you just heard, Drew Doherty, along with my good pal, John Harris. And John, you and I have had a front row seat to greatness. That is correct. So normally we would talk about the Texans and what was a really fun win, a very eventful win, a truly memorable win because of the cold, the uh, postponement, the way it ended, all that stuff. But we're going to push all that aside because the greatness which we're referencing was the career of J.J. Watt. We saw it. You were on the sidelines starting in 2014 through now, so you saw a pair of Defensive Player of the Year seasons, maybe the greatest season by any defensive player of all time in 2014. I was at the airport in 2011, the morning after he got drafted and picked him up, Yeah, put a microphone on him and, and shot he and his family's first day in Houston. So we've seen a lot of fun stuff in our time covering J.J. Watt. And on this podcast, we're going to pinpoint the most memorable thing you saw from J.J. on the field and the most memorable thing you saw from J.J. off the field. So let's start with the field between the white lines. What thing, what one thing stands out to you the most when you think about J.J. Watt and what he did? It's almost hard to put it into words. I mean, I've been thinking about it ever since it was announced, Drew, and that he, he announced it, which, which I love. He, he was the one who announced everything. He announced he was leaving from here he announced he was leaving the car he didn't leave it to somebody he didn't whisper it in somebody's ear and let them do it. he just he handled it all i think the one thing that stood out to me drew was after every game we get uh, what's called a game book and it is a breakdown of the game it's got all the different stats individual stats team stats it's got everything that you could possibly want uh how long a drive went where the drive started how many yards i mean that's where we get you know, all of our, our stats. And so when we get on the on the plane, typically what happens is our PR department, led by uh, Omar and Everett and Lindsay, they get on the plane and they walk around, game book, game book, and you know, we mm-hmm. always grab one because we want to look at, you know, who did what and kind of remind – I always use one for Harris Hits because it reminds you, oh, yeah, that play on such and such. Hey, what happened on this? You can see it online, but it's different when yeah, you're holding it in different. your hand. Yeah. Especially once you get in the air, sometimes you don't yeah. get the Wi-Fi, so you got to have the, the game book. So – one thing I started noticing in 2014, I'm like, I'm looking at the game book. And so the game book for the defensive categories is pretty interesting because it's got pretty much, it's got everything. And as you're going through it, you're like, okay, what's all there? Well, there's tackles, there's assists, there's, you know, the combined sack. Wait, wait, wait. You said tackles, assists, and combined. And for the most part, if you play defense, you're only in those three categories. Right. And there's about eight or nine other categories right. in that list. So most defensive players, they only show up in those three categories. Sacks, TFLs, quarterback hits, interceptions, passes defensed, forced fumbles, and fumble recoveries. Mm-hmm. And then they've got special teams, and then they got miscellaneous on the outside, which uh, nobody really hits the miscellaneous for the most part. That's, That's like an offensive player look, tackling yeah, a guy an after interception an interception or fumble yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. So those are the categories. And I started noticing as we were going through that 2014 season, I'm like, when you look at it, it just it's a bunch of zeros. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, For you most guys. if you didn't put a zero in that, a col- or in that category and you just took the zeros out, it should be a bunch of white space. Mm-hmm. With Watt in 2014 in particular, 
he had games in which he hit every single category. Which is remarkable. I mean, which is incredible. And a lot meant, of times he put up a crooked number. It wasn't just a one there. Right, which meant that he was putting up a tackle, a sack, a TFL, a quarterback hit, an interception, a pass defense, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery all in the same game. And he did that multiple times. And so I never really came up with, with what to call it. But I realized very, very early, like, wait a second. There are a bunch of zeros for all these other guys. And I'm not just talking for Texas. I'm talking every team. That's it. And that's every game. Every game. That's ever been played. And then I would look at his, and I'm like, there's a number in every single category. Mm -hmm. And then in 14, he starts going over to the offensive side of the ball. And I think the one that stays with me, because it was the first one, and I remember seeing it, and I thought, I wanted, I always wanted to go out to Oakland. I was mm -hmm. always enamored with Oakland. You know, growing up as an NFL Films kid, I just loved NFL Films, and I loved the 70s NFL Films of everything that happened in Oakland. Because those were the teams at the time, Oakland, Pittsburgh. So those, those teams, going to those places always kind of made me you know, feel a little different because that was the history of the game. So we go out to Oakland, our second game, and we're playing in Oakland Alameda Coliseum where A's played, where the Raiders played. I just was so looking forward to that game. We get down to the first drive, get down on the one-yard line, and I look out there, and I'm like, oh, he's in the game. Not even, what's, and I, I'm always in queue with Mark, and I'm like, watch it tight end. And I'm telling you, I don't get end out of my mouth. And Fitzy drops the throw. And they left him uncovered. Yeah. They didn't cover him. And he catches a touchdown. And I just remember, we were talking during the break. Mark andre and myself, we were talking and went, uh, oh, boy. This could get really interesting. That was week two. And it did. And it got really interesting in 2014. Because he caught I, two more for touchdowns. Yeah, he caught two more. He had the, the, the one of them, remember, against Cleveland. That was hard. That was, he got his He went out in, wide. Yeah. Here's your trivia question. He went out wide, one-on-one. -on -one. Do you remember who he went against one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, Think about the Texans' locker room now. Was it Kirksey? Yeah. Okay. He was one-on-one. -on -one. And Kirksey actually had good coverage. Yeah. And Mallett, first touchdown pass ever. Ryan Mallett threw to J.J. Watt. In that game, he also had two roughing the punter penalties. Well, you know what? Well, you know, it was he hilarious. Was, he was close to blocking a punt, and I bet, you know, he was probably he would have found another way to get a touchdown because yeah. he caught, he ran for a – he returned a fumble, he returned a, a, an interception. That would have been another way to score a touchdown. He also scored, uh, had a safety that season. Yeah. Yeah, that – I remember in that Oakland touchdown that you're, you're referencing there at the beginning, I'm up in the press box, and a guy named Seth Medvin was a PR yeah, intern was, at yeah. the time, and he would go yep. on to help run the show in Denver. And, um, but Seth just kind of elbowed me and said, hey, J.J. Watson at tight end. Yeah. And then it's sort of the same thing. I look up, and the pass is going his way, and I, you know, you're about 30 seconds ahead of the broadcast, Yeah. and I type, J.J. Watt catches a touchdown, and a lot of people are like, what, huh, what? And then <laughs> they saw it, and... Yeah. Uh, it registered, but so yeah. In that game, that this is just the this is a Cleveland game you're talking about, yeah. In that Cleveland game, he had five tackles. He had mm -hmm. a sack, uh, which amounted to six yards lost. He had three TFLs. He had mm -hmm. a forced fumble and he had a fumble recovery. I mean, the only categories he didn't and he hit caught were a interceptions pass. and pass defense, and he caught a touchdown. Yeah, I mean uh, that was that was just, that was one game. Oh, and he had the two 15-yard penalties, which was a hilarious story, um, because Bill O'Brien was steaming mad about it. Uh huh. And he was, you know, you know, Brian, he's kind of stomping up the sideline. JJ's kind of standing there with his hands on his hips, knowing, like, he screwed up. Yeah. But he screwed up, you know, going hard. But he screwed up twice. 
And you could just tell Brian steaming. And after about 10 seconds, he looks over Jay. He's like, go back in. And he went back in. And then he just wrecked shop the rest of the game. And to be fair to Bill O'Brien, he gets he gets uh he gets called to the carpet on a lot of things over what happened here. But you got to give him a little bit of credit because some some head coaches would not have said or would not have let JJ Watt go right. play on offense. They said, No, you're yeah. a defense. He let that happen, and it, did. It, it worked out. It worked out very well, yep. and it, it made your team better. How about you? Well, I've got a bunch, and I also want to add one more uh, little aside. But you, me, DP, and Vandermeer were in a, a meeting one time in the offseason with O'Brien, and he talked about – I don't know. Maybe it was – I don't know. Anyways, it was an off-the-record meeting, Yeah, and O'Brien said – J.J. Watt could get into – you could take away every single sack that J.J. Watt ever did. You could strip that from his career. And he said, I believe he's still a Hall of Famer based solely mm-hmm. on what he did TFL-wise. Yeah, yeah. Running, running backs down and stopping guy. And, I mean, if you look at it, he does have a slew of TFLs. And mm-hmm. I remember one of my best friends, he knows about sports. He played a little bit of football, you know, on the JV in high school. But he doesn't follow the game. And he's yeah. – we kind of – crack on him for it but he came to the 2014 game here against the Ravens and Justin Forsett was the rushing yardage leader that year and he was playing for the Ravens and he my friend talked about how amazing it was that JJ basically broke through picked up Forsett and slung him backwards <laughs> and he my friend used some UFC movie he did a da, 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 da. and I was yeah, like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah JJ Watt does those sort of things but anyways in between the lines I mean the obvious one is the pick six in the playoff game. It just totally swung things and Changed put it on his ear. And it was yeah. kind of J.J. Watt's sort of coming out party as a star because the yep. next week at Baltimore, he played even better. I mean, yep. he had multiple sacks, he was multiple great. TFLs. It was a, an amazing game. He says himself, that's the best game I ever had, the best game I ever played. Against the Ravens? Against the Ravens in the playoffs. And if you look, it, it kind of was. But, I mean... I just think back to that 2014 season and everything that he did, and it's more about after he caught that touchdown against the Titans because he'd gotten a strip sack, yep. I believe, to get the yes, ball back for the correct. Texans. And mm-hmm. then he goes run, runs back in and catches the touchdown, and he throws the ball up into the stands. But what would happen after all those touchdowns he scored, that one, the one against the Bills, the fumble yep. return, the one against uh, – or excuse me, I was against the Colts, and then the pick six against the Bills. When he did those things, they'd go to break. And normally here at the stadium, everything is so choreographed, and you got to get a sponsor, yeah, yeah. Uh, some sort of, <laughs> yeah. you know, this right. brought to you, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that stuff is happening. We do not miss a beat when it comes to that. Yeah. But that year, to our credit, they would kind of push that stuff to the side and say, we'll do it next break, and they would just play turn down for what? And they'd get it going. They'd lock on a fan with a 99 jersey on, going crazy. Yeah. And then they'd pan over to the sideline, and J.J. Watt would look at the camera and, like, stick his tongue out, and the place would erupt. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd go back. And the himself. song's still playing. They'd go back to another fan, another fan, another fan. And then they'd go down to J.J., and he'd just, like, raise his eyebrows. The place would go bananas. And that's how they would spend the break. And I loved it. Yeah. It was so much fun. I wish it would have resulted in playoffs and all that stuff, but... That one, and then I, his last game, his last meaningful game here, you know, I think was the playoff win over the Bills when he yeah. came back. That was know? incredible because he had missed eight weeks, and there, yeah. you know, being in the building, and he ignited things. He got the sack to ignite the win. I mean, we're down, you know, thirteen to nothing at that point, 
And if you if you give him a touchdown, you're like, man, we're down three scores. This is going to be tough the way the offense is playing. But he gets the sack. The place goes ballistic. TJ was here mm-hmm. in, the, in the suite. kept showing him on TV. And that held to a field goal. So now it's 16-0. And I'm thinking, okay, it's two scores. We got to get two two-point conversions, but you know it's doable. Um, and that that turned that turned everything around. Um, and you're right, that was the that was the last meaningful uh, you know game. The play that I the last meaningful play that I remember was in 2020 when we were at Detroit for yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, it. Yeah. When they went down and they scored, and I'm like, golly. I mean, I'm the only one in the building basically mm-hmm. because there's nobody there's nobody there. It's me and Tracy Wolfson and a few photogs. I mean, it was weird, and um, I just see him make that play, and you could, you know, the guy leaps up, snags it. I mean, you always call him a jungle cat, and he just le- he just leapt up, just snagged it, and yep. it took off for the end zone. I thought, well, hot damn! And he did, he did it again. I mean, he he did things that normal humans just didn't didn't do on a football field. And it was funny because I remember I was asked this in 2013 before I came over to Texas because obviously at that point JJ was was almost a football god in this mm-hmm. in this town and a loyal listener Lamont was like all right man I'm tired of listening to this about how, how good Watt is tell me what he does wrong <laughs> and I was like well kind of everything and what I meant by it was if you look at the number of TFLs and he actually he did it the other night against the Buccaneers it's the same thing he has done and I always remember thinking he at some point's going to get caught, and he never did. But what he would do was when a line would move a particular way, they would all s- kind of slide one way or zone block one way. Well, he would step that way and then go around the other way, and guys would whiff and miss, uh-huh. and then he would dart down a line of scrimmage and get a TFL. So I looked it up. He's got 191 TFLs in his career. He had 170, That's mind-boggling. 172 of them in Houston, which in 10 years, that means he had 17 TFLs per year. And there are a couple of years he didn't play. He had 39 of them in 2012. He had 29 in 2014. He had 51 quarterback. God dang it. He had 51 quarterback hits in 2019. Anyways. He would that move that that was so incredibly wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you're not supposed to do that. And you know who's to blame for that? Wade Phillips. Wade yeah. Phillips talked to him when he was a rookie in 2011, midway late through, and said, "Right, listen, go He's ahead, go go for it. Yeah, because there's going to be this defense. There's other guys that can they'll be able to right. compensate, and we know what you can do. Take start taking chances, and he did. And because he was playing, he, he he said, "I was playing a little too conservatively and, yeah. and thinking too much as a rookie." Well, yeah, and you're as a rookie, you're going to, and then Wade kind of unlocked the box, and it's so fundamentally wrong, and yet it was the perfect thing. And what I what I loved about those Texans defense at that time was JJ could do that, and the guys behind him, as Wade pointed out, they would react to it. Mm-hmm. They would account for that. Linebackers might, you know, JJ might jump into the B gap on a play like that. And the linebacker might have responsibility for the B gap and then see JJ there and then replace him in the A gap. And that will allow JJ to do it. He had trust in his teammates to be able to do that, which I thought was interesting too. But he was fundamentally wrong what he was doing, but yet it was paying off. I mean, it really really paid off Mm -hmm. uh, over the years. And when you look, if you look at the gargantuan numbers, I, I mean, I don't know how you put these numbers. He had two sack seasons of 20 and a half. 
he had four seasons of 16 plus, including 2018. We had 16. I mean, to have 51, he had four straight years. He had 43 quarterback hits, 46 quarterback hits, 51 and 50. In that game that he had the pick six against EJ Manuel mm -hmm. in 2014, everybody remembers the pick six. He had nine quarterback hits that day. <laughs> nine. He ruined guys' careers. Yeah. Surreal Richardson was a rookie guard. I don't think he ever came back from that. Yeah. And JJ could do it inside and outside. It was just, it was incredible. But you know as well as I do, his impact on the field was matched off the field with how he was off the field. He's yeah. just incredible. You know, off the field, everybody points to the 37 plus million that he raised for Hurricane Harvey relief, which is remarkable. Uh, what a driving force he was for that. And that was so cool. Off the field, my first memory of him is kind of the, still the strongest because, you know, like I mentioned, and I've told the story a zillion times. You're probably sick of it, but the Texans pick him, and I kind of knew a little bit about him, and I was like, okay, cool, because Rick Smith at that time, the GM, had a pretty good track record of yep. first-round picks. So I was he like, well, he's, yeah, he's, he, can, he can, looks like he, this guy can deliver the goods. So I go the next morning, and this is during the lockout. So for one day, they let the, the first-rounders and anybody who played the NFL come back in the building. So there were a lot of other veterans in the building that, that day after the first round, and they were meeting with the new coaches and stuff. So I go to the airport with Sean Washington, who was a player uh, kind of liaison, and we're in a limo. And J.J. comes out with his family from, like, the secure area at the airport. I'm like, hey, J.J., welcome to Houston. My name's Drew Doherty. I'm going to put this microphone on you, and we're going to follow you. Put a mic on him, sort of detailed the process what yeah. was going on and then we get to the stadium and he comes upstairs right outside where where our offices are basically and wade phillips defensive coordinator bill Colar, defensive line coach a few others come out to say hello and wade says you know oh, you want to go downstairs and <laughs> have a sandwich he's like uh i appreciate that and i'm paraphrasing here he goes i appreciate that but i know my time is limited can i look at the playbook and so they all kind of shuffled into the uh, the the coach's room and they went over the the defensive you know stuff that he needed yeah. to know and they brought sandwiches in for him so he did eat but it was very quick i'd never seen that from a rookie at that point and that yeah. was just kind of a glimpse into who we were going to be dealing with over yeah. the next decade and it was so impressive yeah it, it was i mean there's so many stories i mean a lot of people have heard the story that i've told about um you know my son jack mm -hmm. at the time was mm -hmm. growing up and um, has high functioning autism and was in, in struggles, you know, tying his shoes. You know, neuro, there are some neurological things. It's, it's hard for him to do, and so we had gone to an academy and we saw JJ's shoe at the time. It was not his signature shoe, which he became, but it was it was a, a no laces pump up shoe, and I got it. And, I, and so I relayed the story to him through Amy Palsic, who was the PR director at the time, and I told her, and she was like, "Oh, he's gonna love that." Well. <laughs> About two weeks later, a box of Reebok shoes showed up, and Amy said, hey, these are for Jack. And I just, I was floored. I mean, JJ did that for, for him, and that was just one of many. But, you know, that was, that was a personal one. But the, there, there's so many of them. But one that I'll remember was in 2015, we were playing. We were going to Jacksonville in 15, and we found out right before the trip that JJ was, for the first time, I think, in his career, listen it's questionable mm. and i thought whoa this is weird like he must be really sick so we're on a plane looking at each other like because you and i sat next to each other back then 
And is he going to be on a trip? What's the deal? Is he going to try and go? And then all of a sudden, the players, at that point, we're sitting at the front of the plane. The players, um, they they start rolling on the plane. And there he is, suit, shades on, and but you look at him and go, oh, my God, he looks awful. <laughs> oh, great. So he ends up, he's going to play. And he plays. And he doesn't have his greatest game. But I remember at the very end, Bortles had gotten him in position where, you know, he could make a throw. And then I think A.J. Boye intercepted him, but J.J. had been chasing him. And that was a pretty salty, hot day in Jacksonville. And J.J. got as far about two feet from me. And I'm like, you know, yeah, you know, all that. And I just see him, and he kind of squats down in a catcher stance. And it's just as I'm about to, you know, like say something to him, he just goes, and I was like, when the epitome of giving everything you got, yeah, that was it. I mean, he didn't come off the field, and I knew he didn't feel well, and just all over the place. And I just thought, what kind of guy is this? Like, who is this guy? Yeah, he's incredible. So, and that was after the 2014 season. And but seeing those kind of things, him playing with that big old cast on his hand against New England that year, yeah, and how beat up he was in 2015, and yet in 2015, the year that people tend to forget he forced three fumbles he had uh 17 and a half sacks 76 tackles 29 tfls 50 quarterback hits eight passes defensed mm. he had all that going on and did that i yeah. mean that, uh, that was also the incredible. year uh later that year he he kind of like break his hand or something yeah. he, remember he had a club on he, his yeah, hand. yeah that yeah. big old bulb cast he had mm-hmm. on his hand against new England. played through yeah. all that still yep. won the defensive player of the year he was Truly remarkable, and uh, you and I are going to talk a little bit more about him throughout the offseason because, you know, I'm sure next year at some point he's going to go into the Texans' ring of honor. Yep. He'll get uh, go up there. 2028, the Pro Football Hall of Fame already has tweeted the first year he's eligible is 2028. So okay. he'll go in. He's yeah, going to go in. Yeah. Uh, in between now and then, Andre Johnson better get in. Yeah. That's a BS that he's not in yet. But yeah. anyways, you and I are going to talk about him very very frequently and i've already written down on a napkin a bunch of little anecdote ideas i (laughs) think i'm going to tweet these out kind of over over time but anyhow john it's been fun talking with you one of the fun things we've always done is talk about jj watt he was truly a joy to watch to cover and to know and he's not gone he's just going to be gone from the nfl in between the lines i can't wait to see what's next for him it's going to be fascinating i'm sure there's going to be some acting involved, yes. and I think he's absolutely capable of becoming a, a big-time movie star. Maybe there's something else. I'm sure there is something else, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But whatever it is, he's going to be fantastic at it. This has been an In the Lab.